The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm in the midst of a series right now that I'm calling Prayer Changes Things, where I'm talking to uh, some of my peers who are in the New Thought ministerial world about prayer, the power of prayer, how prayer affects life, and what we can glean from the power of prayer. So today, I have a universal foundation for better living legend on the call. And, you know, this is audio, so you can't see her beautiful face, but you'll be able to hear a beautiful voice very shortly. So uh, I have on the call today, Christ Universal Temple staff minister and the and the dean of ministerial training for the Johnny Coleman Theological Seminary, the Reverend Alberta Ware. How you doing there, Reverend Ware? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> doing well, doing well. So, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm just glad in the midst of your schedule and, you know, and traveling and, you know, doing all of the stuff that you do and, you know, that keeps you busy, uh, that you took the time out for this conversation. Because what I want to do with this conversation, I've already interviewed a couple of UFBL people, is initially just kind of keep this within our own organization. Because uh, I think that one of the things that we're known for is consistency. It was one of the things that, as you know, Johnny demanded <laughs> was the consistency of our language. And I just want to just show people, even within that consistency, the variety can still show up. The, the ways in which we use the same principles, how we explain it can be slightly different, but still drive home the same points. So in this series called Prayer Changes Things, people are going to be hearing from people around the UFBL world. And, um, you know, when I can get her on the calendar, I'll even uh, seek to get Reverend Sheila on the call. I've already told her, uh, the president of the uh, UFBL. So I want to start, uh, Reverend Ware, first of all, with the question, what is prayer? First of all, prayer is the most highly accelerated mind action, because what it does, it steps up our our uh, motivation. Prayer is how we communicate with God. Uh, It affirms the truth of our being. And when we pray, we are, in essence, talking to God. But at some point, we got to stop and listen so God can talk to us. All right. All right. I like that. I like that. And, you know, as I think about prayer, at least from a new thought perspective, it's so much different. The definition that you just gave mm-hmm. was much different than the definition that I was hearing when I, when my grandmother was dragging my sister Lisa and I to five and six churches, uh, sanctified churches on Sunday mornings <laughs> when we were children. It was like, Mom, please stop this. <laughs> my, my sister's waking me up when I'm falling asleep on the pews. Uh, <laughs> Right, because the deacons got to pray, and each one tries to out-pray the other one. Yes, yes. So it was like, you know, just the prayer by itself ended up being very long. So just hearing things like highly accelerated action, 
the most highly accelerated action. When um, just because you use that particular definition, that's one of my favorites. Um, when a student asks you, what do you mean by most highly accelerated action? What do you normally tell them? Well, I can tell them when you go into this process of prayer, your mind is going to work and your mind is focused on prayer. It accelerates its work. Okay. And that action becomes accelerated. It comes, becomes charged. Okay. And it, it has that extra oomph to it, especially when you're praying with intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when we're getting into the question, do you believe do you believe prayer changes things? What is your normal response to that? My normal response is is, is yes, but then I add something else to it. Okay. It changes things if your intention was in line with God's law of good for all mankind. It changes things uh, when you are really in into this process. And, and allowing that mind action to take place, it changes things if you go in with the awareness that it will change things. Can't go right. in there with a doubt. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a doubt there. You, you just negate everything you're doing. Right, right. It's, it's, it's almost prayer requires you to be a, a reasonably unreasonable person. Exactly. And, and you know, and that's this is kind of funny. Uh, you know, prayer changes things because prayer changes us. Right. And we change things. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's, it's interesting. I, I can remember uh, one of your buddies, uh, you know, and when I say his name, you're going to smile. Um, Dr. Rocco Erico. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember year, when I first came to CUT and he, he was doing a seminar in the faith chapel. He was, you know, Johnny would bring him in to speak on Saturday yeah. or Sunday. And then I found out later she was actually bringing him in early to talk to her teachers and ministers before even the other public settings. But I found that out much later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had to do that sometimes two or three, depending on how long he was in the city. We were yeah. there at church almost every night. Yeah. So one of the things that I remember him saying uh, when I first heard him, or one of the first times I heard him was that, you know, if you spill the milk, uh, God doesn't cl- give you, God gives you the rag to clean it up yourself. And, and I, w- I remember hearing that because growing up, it was just like, okay, I'm a praying God's going to clean up my mess versus giving me the power to clean it up. It, it, you know, it, it really made me stop and reflect like, mm-hmm. okay, what is my, what is my expectation for prayer that I don't have to do anything that I don't have to change? that I don't have to release, that I don't have to forgive, that I don't have to let go, that I don't have to be different, that I don't have to change my behavior. It's it's just an interesting perspective when you think about prayer. Right. But, you but know, there are some conditions for true prayer that Fillmore talks about in, in the Revealing Word. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to elaborate on any of that, please feel free to do so. Okay. One of the conditions is that you got to recognize God as the father, God as the source. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, go- I'm not going to touch or clean up my mess <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to acknowledge your oneness with God. People have a tendency to pray with God to God outside of themselves and not connected within themselves. So you've got to make that deliberate connection of your oneness with God. 
And then you got to get rid of all the thoughts out, out there in, 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 the, in the outer. You know, well, is that a truck running by? Is the phone going to ring? You know, what am I going to do when I get through praying? Where have I got to go? All of that needs to go. It needs not to be part of, that's part of your cleansing as you prepare for prayer. Because mm-hmm. you need to prepare for prayer. And then you want, you got to have a desire. The desire must be sincere. It can't be just a run-of-the-mill kind of thing. Oh, yeah, God's going to do this. No, it's got to be sincere. It's got to be a sincere connection. And your mind must be clear of unforgiving thoughts. Uh, Dr. Tompkin wrote, before you pray, forgive. Right, right. And so we have to remind ourselves that forgiveness is really for us. It's not for the other folks. But if I'm going to make this connection and have this connect, clear connection with God as I'm preparing to communicate with God, everything must be in place. It must be The mind must be clear. I must be willing to, and have it taken action to forgive whatever's going on in my head about somebody else or something else, you know, right. some other situation. And as you prepare for prayer, make sure that the place that you're praying, you know, is it, it, not in the kitchen, not for your special prayers. Now, you may be yeah. praying in the kitchen. Right? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that's not your secret place. The area, because it said go into your chamber, go into a place of peace and quiet. Right. Right. Close the door. That's closing your mind out to all the out, outer distractions, and then and pray. I, I love that, and you know I think that people need steps. Sometimes when you, it, it seems like it's a Herculean effort to go from one state of mind to another one. But if it ain't okay, if I can do these three steps, these five steps, these seven steps, it can help me get a handle on the ideas as they transition through my mind. And I think that's a great thing because when people are dealing with prayer changing things, because it changes us, it changes our consciousness and consciousness shows up as form. It gives us an opportunity to recognize, I think, which is one of the the first two things you said out of your definitions that you just read from Fillmore. One, acknowledge God as the source and then acknowledge your oneness with God. Because those things are just so radical in the religious world. Uh, I can remember, um, um, and I'm, I know you went on way more trips with Reverend Coleman than I did. Uh, I remember she she took us to uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life Church uh, conference. So we're there. It's me. I'm trying to remember who was all there. Leon. Uh, Reverend Evelyn Boyd, Reverend Winston Johnson, Reverend Herbert Lasser. I think we came from Chicago. We met a few people there. Uh, Reverend Dolores McMillan was there. Uh, I think Reverend Sheila was, McKeithen was there, I think. I'm, I'm sure Reverend Dolores McMillan was there because that was the only time I ever had real time with her because by the time I came to CUT, she was already uh, in Los Angeles. That was the only time I ever had with her to be able to spend time with her which I cherish. And um, I can remember when, (laughs) and I'm sure you probably had like experiences when uh, Pastor Rick Warren, you know, who's who's made his own impact in the world, obviously, and I'm not here to diminish or devalue anything he said, 
but he told everyone it's time for prayer and everybody to get on their knees. So it's three thirty two hundred of us in this room. <laughs> I know Johnny did not get on her knees. No, and we're all looking over like, Johnny's not moving, we're not moving. So it's 3,200 people minus this row of UFBL ministers. <laughs> Everybody in the building outside of the AV people are on their knees. Rick Warren is on his knees on the stage. Mm-hmm. And... It, you know, like, you know, Johnny just sat there and said, oh, no, nah. you know, because you know how she was. Get up off your knees begging. Mm-hmm. And she stand on your own two big spiritual feet. And I could just remember people looking at us, trying to perceive, are they Why praying? Are they on their knees? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they on their knees? <laughs> Don't they know this is how we petition God? It is, you know, it's, it, it warms my heart when I think about it now about you know, it was a good way of saying, okay, are you willing to stand on what you say you believe about prayer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it your physical position or is it your mental position? Right. And what, and the definition that you gave us earlier is basically telling us, we teach that prayer is your mental position. Mm-hmm. All right. And I used to joke about a particular relative. I would say every morning he got on his knees to praise heaven. And then he stood up and raised hell. <laughs> okay <laughs> so so you know but it was a joke to be able to say okay it's, you can have the ritual mm-hmm. and not the consciousness right okay so i do want to drill down on a particular subject that uh we're known for in the ufbl and that's um how do we pray for healing well we first we have to we 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 when when I'm in the healing service, I'm not looking at or even asking the person in front of me what what's the issue because my responsibility is to see them as God sees them perfect, whole, and complete. Right. Okay. So as we as as we do that, uh, we are. Uh, Connecting with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit then moves in and does the work. The, the, the Holy Spirit makes the connection for the body. So in, in praying, when, when we're talking to people, uh, I've, I know on the, when I've done it on the phone, I, I instruct them, see it how, how you want it to be. What, is, what, is, what are you seeking? Hmm? How see it as you want it to be, over and above whatever they've told you. Okay? You've got to see it as you want it to be. Because if I focus on what they told me, then I can't see it as I want it to be. Because right. that other stuff is in the way. You want to move that stuff out of the way. Just like you get the outer thoughts out of the way in prayer, in healing, you want to see it as God sees it. Yes, yes, yes. I think that that's so important. And because our movement was started by the healing of our founder, um, I think the emphasis is so strong. And when you look at many of the New Thought movements, you know, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore in particular, um, our metaphysical brothers and sisters, the Christian science with the Mary Baker Eddy, uh, uh, you know, and, and so on. And so, Quimby, mm-hmm. yeah, Phineas P. Quimby. So many people had healings as the initial 
stage. They didn't come into new thought thinking, oh, I just want to make my life better. They were trying to say, I'm trying to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, our current president, uh, Reverend Sheila McKeithen, you know, had a six days to live mm-hmm. and turned it around with the principles that we teach in UFBL, the New Thought Christian Principles. And what she talks about, I don't remember the name of her book right now. Please forgive me, uh, Reverend Sheila. But she, if you Google it, her name, Sheila McKeithen, I'm sure you'll find her book. It's 12 Steps to Something, and it's about healing. Not and if, if you're looking for someone who's actually uh, written down their testimony and the steps they use for healing, it's an excellent book to read. And as you stated before, with uh, Reverend Tompkins, she wrote the Before You Pray, Forgive. These, these are letting us know that there are steps to getting out of your own way. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, with healing, getting out of your own way is is probably the largest challenge. Just, you know, am I willing to really trust that it's possible yeah. that it could be different? Because that's the first real obstacle. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that it can be different? You know, you might not be able to say literally, I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. I know God's going to heal my body. I know the Holy Spirit is going to transform these cells. But can we just get to the space of it's possible that it could be different? And I think that that glimmer of hope allows us to surrender to a presence and power that goes beyond a human intellect. You know, so, you know, so with the healing, um, you know, you know, obviously being around uh, our ministry. It's uh, we've seen some miraculous things, mm-hmm. you know, people who were taught principles and got healed, people who were just sitting in a regular church service and they got healed. People who were part of the UFBLCUT healing services and got healed. I've seen people at Panorama of Truth healing service and got healed. Uh, legitimate healings. You yeah. know, verifiable healings. Verifiable, because Johnny and, would always say, "Go ahead, go to get it verified." You know, yeah, get it verified. Verifiable, showing up with the lab results, the X-rays, the MRI results, mm-hmm. and I think it's important that, um, and you can add in what you you know what you feel as though you think it needs to be added to this, that we can never stop making sure that healing is at the top of mind in new thought. What what are your thoughts around that? Definitely, definitely, because it's the it's it's the pathway to getting that full understanding of new thought for one thing. It's an excellent pathway. And we all have something that needs to be changed. Hmm. Or yeah. healed, however you want to say it. We right. all have something, whether we recognize it right now at this moment or not. There is something there. So if you sit down and have that discussion with yourself, you can determine what it is and start the process of getting it healed. Yes, yes, yes. So when, you know, you know, I often, I often joke about healing because it's so it's it's so misunderstood. Uh, uh, we we both know one of uh, Johnny's favorite authors was Joe Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember listening to, you know, the beautiful, beautiful uh, thing called YouTube now allows us to listen to Joe Goldsmith. Beforehand, I had to find out if somebody had a cassette tape. <laughs> I 
Oh, you I got a joke. <laughs> like, you got a Joe Goldsmith can say, are you willing to let me record, you know, dub it? I mean, it was it was a whole thing when I first came to CUT. Just trying to get those tapes. Oh my God. Oh my God. But now because of YouTube, there's so many of them on there. And one of the stories he tells is um someone, some family, he went to pray with somebody who was in the hospital and he was with the family. And the family was trying to explain to him why prayer and healing, spiritual healing doesn't work. And Joe Goldsmith, the gist of the conversation was that he started to talk to the man about something like astrophysics or something like that. And the man said, why are you talking to me about that? I don't know anything about astrophysics. And he said, well, you don't know anything about spiritual healing either, but you're you're willing to share your opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And what he was trying to do was to shock this guy back into your your negative state of mind can mm-hmm. can have a detrimental impact on the loved one you're here to support. Mm-hmm. I'm here to be the stand that God is a healer. And you're trying to talk me out of my stand. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that, you know, people don't understand it, yet they have a lot of conversation around what's possible and not possible. But I was having a conversation when we were in Unity Village. Um, it, was that August? Yeah. Unity Village in August. And I was having a, a conversation with a unity minister. And um, he was telling me that he would work in the AV department. He was an audio video professional before ministry. And how he would he was working the conferences for the doctors. Mm. And when the doctors meet together and start having conversations about medicine, procedure policies and things of that nature one of the things that ultimately come up in every conference he said was how do we beat the placebo Uh and what he meant by that was the placebo meant that they give the person a sugar pill or whatever it is not the real medicine and let's just say hypothetically the placebo is 33 percent 30 one out of three people who get a placebo get the effects of a healing without actually getting the real medicine. How can the medicine we give people outperform the placebo? These are conversations that are happening amongst doctors, Mm -hmm. but they never make it to the mainstream. It is just interesting that they're documenting the information that we're presenting, but we just don't have access to the information. Right. That a shift in belief can create a shift biologically. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a real interesting conversation that I think it allows us to if to really have some drill down mm-hmm. on what's actually possible with prayer and what's and how far can we take it because we really don't know because God is infinite mm-hmm. and and we're scratching the surface of our potential as human beings. Right. Barely. 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 Barely scratching. Scratching with the pinky finger. So, you know, so, um, you know, when you're talking to people and conversations like that come up, uh, how do you normally address things like placebo and and other things? If those things have come up, and I'm sure they've come up in your, you know, decades of ministry. Well, when when we look at the placebo, you believe that the placebo was the real thing. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So think about that. You believe your belief was in something that was not real. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you want to change your belief from the placebo to something that is real. Mm-hmm. So now let's look at how the last time you had a situation, you didn't know how it was going to get worked out and whatever. And you threw up both ends and said, okay, God, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of this. I'm through with it. I, I let it go. Help me, God. And once you got out of it, everything fell into place. Mm-hmm. When you said, help me, God, you were expressing your belief in what you couldn't see. Right. And, 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 and as we move through our lives, we build on that. Build on those situations because they're there. They're, there, they're your proof. And just build on it. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I love that. We we, we got to take a quick break and we're going to come back because I have some more questions for you. And I, um, you know, want the audience to be able to eat from the plate of your wisdom to be able to help them get the demonstrations that they desire. So uh, listeners, we're going to take this quick break and we'll be right back with Truth Transform. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Today we're talking about prayer changes things. And I have as my guest, uh, the UFBL minister, the Reverend Alberta Ware. So Reverend Ware, we've been talking about prayer. And um, I want to talk a little bit about prosperity because people are dealing with many things concerning money and finances. They see it on the news every day. Everything costs more and, and people are being affected. Matter of fact, I was watching CNN last night and i didn't know that it was a literally a city suing scottsdale for water yeah and i was like oh my god (laughs) people are turning the faucet on and they don't have water and saving water in the pool yeah i mean it it was it was amazing i i was blown away by it to be honest so prosperity is is you know god's provision so how do people pray for prosperity well, before you pray, forgive. <laughs> before yeah. you pray, yeah. recognize that God is the source. Right. Okay, God is the source of the supply. Um, and as you as you recognize God as the source, that takes your mind off of what is appearing in your experience right at that point in time. I did. I had. I had two experiment. Two two situations that I want to share, and it deals with prosperity. At one situation, I was. Uh, I go to the store. I had my list, and the concern was: Am I going to have enough money to pay for everything that I want on this 
in this grocery store, right? I would have enough money, but the thought was, will I have? And so, which indicated there was a doubt there. And then after I got started in classes, I go in the store then and say, okay, I can give whatever I want because I have the source and the supply is already there. And I would pick up what I want and never had another thought about it. And there was always money left over. Mm-hmm. So now in praying for prosperity, the second thing that I that happened to me one time, I decided I had a real, I had already decided I wanted to get a, a new fur coat, right? And so, uh, but that day I had had all kinds of stuff going on at work. So when I stopped at the furriers and I walked in, the, the clerk uh, treated me like, what are you doing in here? Okay. And we had minimal conversation and then I left, which didn't help my attitude at all. <laughs> so the next time I go and do it, I'll go to a different furrier. I went into the store. It's no longer here, but I'm with Tellers. And the owner of the, and this is key, the owner of the first salon was his last name was Ware. He and his wife owned the first. <laughs> so I walk up, I find the coat that I want. Sales girl talking, she's just bubbly and, and friendly and open, right? Mm-hmm. And so she said, Do you have an account with us? I said, No. She said, Well, here, let me give me this. And she went in the other room and called and came back laughing. <laughs> she said, Oh, they gave you the account right away. <laughs> All I had to say was, the last name was where. <laughs> but understand when I yeah. went in initially, yeah. I went in with a different frame of mind. Yes, yes. Okay. So as I go through and I'm looking and desiring to increase my level of prosperity, one of the things that I must be willing to do is give. Yeah. Yes. Okay? Because um if I give, I must give first. Scripture says, give and it shall be given to you, right? Right. Pressed together, running over. Yes. Okay. I must give first. I don't care how little you have in your wallet or in your bank account, you still have something to give. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. looking to see how can I get this, this law in motion I must put it in motion by giving. Right, right. I must give of my time. I must give of my talent. I must give of my treasure. Yes, yes, yes. People want something for nothing. Exactly. And end up finding out that is that song from the mid 80s, nothing from nothing. Please nothing. That's right. Gotta have something Uh if you want to be with me. Yep. Nothing going on but the rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my sister and her friends used to sing that song when I was a kid. Gotta have a J-O-B. You want to <laughs> be with me. <laughs> but yeah, but but the general thing about it is is give and then receive, not receive and give. Right. And you know, and I think that that's a big difference when people are thinking about prosperity. And when the mindset is get, 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 get. Right. And without the balance of give, receive, give, receive, you know, you know, sowing and then reaping. Right. People want to reap what they have not sown. They have not sown anything. And um, and haven't done any consciousness work at all, changed their beliefs or anything. And 
Or, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, to use real plain talk, just get a real serious made up mind. You know, I can remember, um, you know, when my, when when uh, when my daughter was born, uh, Angel, I can remember, you know, you know, her and her mother, my ex-wife, we were, we were living in a nice three bedroom apartment, no rush on getting anything. And I can just remember saying to myself, and as I had, I was sitting, what used to be my office was now her room. Mm-hmm. I used to have a picture. Remember when Johnny gave the big, gigantic million dollar bills and she yeah. told you take the best picture of yourself, the most prosperous looking picture and put it in the middle where the president's face should be. And it had these affirmations, you know, signed by God, Jesus and Holy Spirit and all that stuff. I, you know, I know it's somewhere in a box right now. But I can remember having the conversation. I want my daughter to have a house in the backyard. And literally like three months later, I just made my mind up. It was just a shift. And in mm-hmm. the midst of that, uh, her mother lost her job. And, you know, they were doing layoffs. And I was like, it don't matter. My daughter's having a backyard. Because my brain shifted to, okay, now that the provision and extra money showed up and other things without getting into details that allowed that process to show up the way it needed to show up because my mind got clear. As you said earlier, you got to get clear about what it is that I was praying about. Exactly. I got clear. Or, you know or, what you want. Yeah. And I can remember just saying, I want my, I, it was literally like that. I want my daughter to have a backyard. That was like the whole thing. <laughs> I don't want to have somebody else's backyard or to share a backyard. This is your backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it could be something as simple as that. The question is, and, and what I've often told students through the years is, the, to me, the key to new thought is changing your mind and keeping it changed. Right. You know, it's one thing to read this stuff, to hear this stuff, to be around this stuff. But can you change your mind and keep it changed? Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. So um, I want to get to the next question, but I'm, I'm going to give this about how people can get prayer support from CUT. So let me just put this out there. Uh, people can call our prayer ministry at 773-568-1717 and get prayer support. We have uh, prayer ministry directors who uh, will pray with you to support you, not pray for you, pray with you. And that's a big distinction mm-hmm. uh, uh, because, you know, we're, we're not doing your push-ups for you, but we will help assist you in developing the consciousness and holding the space through which the activity of God can work in your life. Uh, obviously, um, you can go to the Christ Universal Temple website and submit a prayer request as well. So I want to make sure that if you find those tabs, one of those tabs, say prayer ministry, you can submit a prayer request and uh, somebody on our team can uh, reply back to you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about singing, uh, Reverend Ware. Specifically, um, can singing be a form of prayer? You know, praise, worship, singing, things of that nature. It definitely is okay. a form of prayer. Uh, in one of the classes, I think they told us that every thought even was a prayer. Hmm. Uh, but singing is is a can be a form of prayer. You stop and think about it because the vibrations of music move through you. They move from the singer through you to the listener. If you're if you've ever been in a choir and everybody in that choir is is on the right note, the vibration can literally be felt 
right. in the choir stand. I remember the first time I, I served on the platform, we were at 86th Street. And the first service, there was no choir. Second service, there was the choir. And when we got up on that platform and the choir started to sing, that vibration just swept over me. It was that was my first real experience of it, of it, but and not being in the choir. Right. Okay. So yes, one of the songs that comes to my mind is the Hallelujah song. Because it said that the Hallelujah is your highest form of praise. Right. And that song, Hallelujah, that everybody is singing it. It doesn't matter whether you're a gospel person or uh, even, even there, uh, I heard a, a, a hip hop person sing it, you know, because it's moving. Right. The music, that's a form of prayer. It moves you, it takes you to a different space. When you're in church, when you're at a concert, the music moves you. Yes, yes. And I, and I love that, um, you know, the, you know, the singing and things of that nature. Uh, my mom, you know, my mother had a church when I was a kid before CUT. And um, I don't remember her name now. You might have known it. She was actually, uh, I found out later she was, a, at one point, was a JCI student in, uh, at one point of her life. I can't remember her name now. Um her last name was Harold, though. Harrell Harold. Can't remember oh. her name. Uh, oh, I know you're talking about uh, Harrell. Not, 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 not. Not what matter. No, not it was what matter. The, the other Harrell. Right. Yeah, Harrell. was a female Harrell. minister. Harrell. Yeah, Harrell. and uh, yeah, Harrell. and uh, I think it was she pronounced it Harrell. I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, going to this church. You know, it was on some small. It was on Cottage Grove originally, and then it was, they moved to like Halsted and something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it because uh, I remember the church for two reasons. One, they used to sing um, a lot of, you know, those high power Pentecostal type songs. It was sort of like New Thought, Pentecostal, Baptist. <laughs> it was everything. And it was potpourri. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. They threw everything in, in, into the gumbo. Uh, so it was always a mixture of it. So, But I would see these people singing you know, if you confess the Lord, call them up. You know, that was like one of their staple mm-hmm. songs. And, you know, I wasn't paying attention to it. I just wanted to play with my buddies that were at the church. And one and and uh and uh her son liked my mom, so he would give me money to get candy to, to the candy store <laughs> across the street. Then <laughs> <laughs> my mother found out and she would have stopped at that. She's like, We're getting all this extra money. I was like, told me to tell you hi. And I never do. <laughs> <laughs> like benefit of having a pretty mother. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I can remember the songs just mm-hmm. over and over again as I go back in my memory and just, you know, I would just, you know, hear these praise songs, praise mm-hmm. songs. And my grandmother, uh, she was, she had a baby grand piano in the, in the living room and she would play, you know, his eyes on the sparrow and all, you know, the, the old gospel hymnal type songs. And and it really made me realize that this is how a lot of people just got over. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the spiritual education that we benefited from from being at Christ Universal Temple, but they could s- praise and sing their way through their challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think that is real benefit to prayer when you add music to to it. It changes the conversation completely. And we know as preachers, it's nothing like getting up after a dead song. You <laughs> want the song. Before you preach, 
to yeah. get the people where they need to be. Like, because if not, that's a heavy lift. You feel like Atlas lifting up the world. Like, yeah. man, <laughs> this music didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, because the, the song becomes its own prayer. It has its own energy. It has its own movement. Mm-hmm. And it can reach places we can't reach with just a spoken word many exactly. times. Exactly, exactly. Because I know one of the things before I went to CUT, uh, when I had lived in California, I came back home and I went out to my home church that I grew up going to out in the Heights. And um, I was there and I saw folks. And then uh, one Sunday I, I was talking to the minister and said, I can't be here every Sunday because I work at Children's Memorial Hospital and I don't get every Sunday off. He sat there and told me I needed to go up in front of the church and ask for forgiveness. Wow. I looked at him and I said, I beg your pardon. And he repeated it. I said, because I have a job, I walked out of there and I never went back. The last time I went, the next time I went back, it was for transition service. Yeah. But I went home, I told my mother, I said, do you know what he said to me? This was not the minister I grew up with. This was not. The, the whole thing, you know. So anyway, and looking for churches to attend, I wanted to get something out of the message. And if I couldn't get something out of the message, I knew I could get something out of the music because I'm coming out of a Baptist church, right? right? So I'm looking at various churches. And in looking, I went to one and it was, it, the building inside was dark when you walked in. Okay. And then the energy was, was it wasn't uplifting. So that wasn't the church. Then I went to I went to different churches, and then I went to one. A friend of mine had been trying to get me to come to his church. He said we got a good choir, so I went one Sunday with my daughter, and I wasn't there the next two Sundays. And I went back the next, the third Sunday, and the minister came up to me after service and said, "You haven't been here for the last couple of Sundays, and we were missing you." He had me. Mm-hmm. He had me, and they did have a good choir. Yeah. And he had a good message. He didn't have a fire brimstone message. That was my first introduction into uh, sermons that were not what I, like what I was used to before mm-hmm. I came to, to CUT. So I look for the music. The music has got to be there. Yes. You know, yes. Got to be there. And, and then coming out of a Baptist church and out of the choir in a Baptist church going to CUT, then I in, encountered music in a different way. Yeah, yeah. It was music in a different way. It was not music that was inspiring people to shout hallelujah. It was music that was inspiring you to listen and make a connection. Yeah, yeah. It make makes a, a difference. And it makes a difference. And, and, and it was just so wonderful, you know. And the whole energy at CUT was so wonderful. You know, and, and you walk in and you could feel it. Uh, that prayer room on 86th Street, it's a wonder the roof could stay on. <laughs> the energy was so powerful in there. You know, so when we when we look at music, uh, it's it can, it can substitute for not a good message. Yeah, yeah. In all honesty, yeah. I, I've I've seen it. You know, I've seen this. You know where. The music had to carry the day. <laughs> right. And, and it did. Yeah. And the thing about it is with the hope that people will allow themselves to become open and receptive. And because God is still within them, if they're right. open and receptive, 
then the possibility of transformation is still present. It's still there, and they're going to be fed what they need to be fed. They're going to get it. Absolutely, absolutely. So I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, how do you ask for spiritual guidance? I just say, help me, God. Sometimes I take a nap. Okay, because if I'm working with something and, and, and I don't know the next step, I don't know what to do. I let it go and I go take a nap. Because that's been been my way of a clearing out because I'm I've been in it too much. I've been yeah. putting too much thought and energy in it. And so I can't get the clarity that I need. So if I go take a nap, I get my mind off of it. When I wake up, God gives me the answer of what I want. I say I love that because it's a step away. Sometimes mm-hmm. we we grip it too tight. Yeah, we you know, do. trying to get an answer. You know, I'm I'm a squeeze God like toothpaste out of this tube. You okay. know, <laughs> and then we wonder why we don't have a sense of relief or anything. You know, I often tell people, you know, it's like, well, how do I know, you know, if this is the right answer? And I'll say, well, I can't say for you what is your right answer, but I'll just say, do you have a sense of peace? Mm-hmm. Do you feel aligned do you feel connected like i said you know johnny would tell us it's a feeling thing if you don't uh-huh. feel nothing she would say you ain't got, ain't nothing. got nothing yeah so so getting in the feeling of it mm-hmm. is is a for me a indicator of i'm in alignment and or i'm not and i agree going to sleep take a nap you know i tell people you know the best way for me to heal if i'm not expressing health as well as i want to is i go and take a nap I'll go to sleep mm-hmm. because just sometimes just allowing the body's natural processes to kick in without my intellectual disruption right. makes a difference in the healing process alone. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just amazing how well we've been set up just to say, okay, okay, God, what's going mm-hmm. on here? Yeah. You and know? also when you get your answer, the answer comes clear. And you know it's from God when there are no questions about it. Mm, that's good. Okay? That's good. If, if there are questions, if you got if questions pop up, that didn't that came from your head. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's a great way of looking at it because we love to do the mental gymnastics. Yeah. And yeah. you know, uh, I can remember um, uh, Reverend Wometta Harold saying to me in Basic Truth One in '93. <laughs> God is not gonna. God is not gonna argue over your mental noise. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, it's like okay. You know, how people say, "Make it plain, God," mm-hmm. versus "Let me get quiet, God, so I can hear." Right. You know. You know, we want the, we want shouting in our mind instead of being still enough to be a vibrational match for what we say we desire. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it does make a difference, and. It's just interesting, this concept around prayer. And this is why I want to have these continual conversations with uh, our fellow UFBL ministers is because I think this is is something that we have to continually bring to the table. Um, a few years back at um, INTA, uh, the, the conference when they were still in Arizona with, uh, you know, Reverend Blaine Mays, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember saying in, in one of the conferences, I said, you know, if new thought uh, stops talking about the demonstration of truth. I mean, making that the most important thing. So then we're really 
a, a, a progressive liberal religion without teeth. Right. Okay. Sooner or later, what we lay our hat on is we get people results by what we teach. Mm-hmm. And the mechanism of, or the main mechanism we do is teaching people how to use their minds. And that includes prayer. Right. So, so the, this prayer conversation is just something I think that can help people get back to the basics. You know, I find that the further I get away from the basics, the sloppier life gets. Mm-hmm. The closer I get back to the basics, the more things get back in divine order. And part of being back in the basics is consistent, repetitious prayer time. Right. No matter what. Consistent, repetitious prayer time. So, uh, you know, we're close to wrapping up. So I do want to, you know, give you an opportunity is to give something to the listeners that they can leave with concerning prayer, whatever you feel as though, you know, God has given you to share. Well, I guess I want you to, the, the listeners to know that they trust the presence of God. Trust the Holy Spirit as it moves in and through you. When you make that conscious, deliberate intention of prayer and you sit down and have that conversation with God, do it with the feeling of this is I'm giving this to God and it's okay. I can let it go now. I don't have to worry about it. The spirit is taking over and it's going to it's going to be handled. It's already handled because the presence and the answer was already there. I've just gotten myself out of the way so I can receive it. Beautiful, beautiful. So I just want to thank you again for coming on. Um, you know, this has been powerful. And I know the listeners are going to get uh, something more than what they even expected. I would just say, go back and listen to it, listeners, a few times. Because when you're having these type of conversations, what ends up happening is nuggets are being dropped. And it's just like listening to a sermon. Yeah. You're trying to capture the one nugget. And then another nugget, another nugget, another nugget. Like I got to go back and listen to, you know, you know, you know, I used to wear those cassette tapes out. What did Johnny say about this? And rewind it over again, play, rewind, play to make sure that I didn't miss something that I missed live. Taking a note, right. Taking notes because, you know, you know, you know how, you know, the old bulletins, we just have notes all over the bulletin. Yep, yep. Um, You know, so make sure you give yourself the benefit of it because it's easy to fall Pray to the belief that, oh, I know this already. It's not new knowledge that will necessarily transform your life. It's an enhanced understanding of what you've heard. So you might have heard everything that was shared today before in a class, in a sermon, or whatever. Um, But it's important for you to recognize that it's the basics that'll get you through, not the advanced you know, avatar ascended master, um, you know, you know, pray on top of the mountain, but it's the everyday techniques that'll get you the results that you want. Because we were taught a very basic thing. It works if you work. So we're giving you the techniques. Go work the principle. All right. We can't do it for you, but it works. If you work it, we can support you working it, but you got to work it. So, uh, Reverend Ware, thank you so much. Um, you know, we're going to wrap up here. And I know that, you know, if people want to get in contact with you, they can contact 
the church. They can leave a message. Reverend Ware will get the message. We'll make sure the receptionist, or you call the Christ Universal Temple, 773-568-2282. Call and leave a message uh, with the receptionist. Reverend Ware will get it. So if you have questions about prayer, or better yet, you want to become a New Thought Minister and you want to get in the Universal Foundation for Better Living Ministerial Training Program, find out what the requirements are because somebody out there listening to this call has had the calling on your soul to do this. And you might have a million excuses about why you can't. And maybe the one conversation with Reverend Ware can help you get back into, uh, into alignment with what God has called you to do. So allow that also to be a possibility. Uh, we need people that are willing to say yes to what God has placed in them to do. And she's one of the people that's primarily responsible for making sure that the next generation of spiritual leaders, ministers, and teachers are available so this message can continue to go around the world. So if you're out there and you were thinking about, man, I would love to be a, a minister, let me find out what it takes to be a new thought minister in the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Reach out to her. She's easy like Sunday morning. She'll love you up. She'll help you. She'll, she'll give you real plain talk because if you're not committed to doing it, she'll tell you that. <laughs> without a doubt but if it's on your soul to do take advantage of the opportunity so with that thank you listeners and i'll be with you next week with truth transform Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.